Hello and welcome to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. This is Alex Knight and I am joined by science fiction writer Kate Tempest Bradford while Aline Sims has the week off. In season 2, episode 20, The Middle of Nowhere, Jem and the Holograms visit Bonnie's pen pal in Alaska. It's up to them to stop the misfits and Eric Raymond from ruining the trip and destroying a natural sea habitat. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Episode 46, written by Chris Pelzer. We open with a very busy Harvey Gabor, frantically making phone calls. I wrote down this little passage of dialogue here because I thought it was important. But Harvey says, Phyllis, can't you see I'm taking care of business? And Pizzazz says, Daddy, I want to talk about business. Business? You? That's wonderful. What business would you like to talk about, dear? Daddy, you remember Eric Raymond. Oh, yes, I remember, all right. You're the guy that ruined my movie studio. I lost millions. This is all he remembers. Eric has done a lot of other things to lose millions since that movie thing happened. Yeah. I actually like how they were referencing previous events that we've seen in, in past episodes. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, it is. But it's still like, you know, Harvey Gabor being the worst dad ever being like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm doing business. But Phil's, but, you know, as soon as Pizzazz says, oh, I, I want to talk about business. He's like, oh, my God. But, you know, this isn't the first time that Pizzazz has tried to talk to him about business. I mean, she is continually bringing him deals usually having to do with Eric Raymond. And quite honestly, they, if all indications are are correct, she's running a pretty successful business right now in Misfits Music. So why is he like, you know, so shocked that she would want to talk about business? I mean, basically, it's just Harvey being a jerk face. Indeed, indeed. And that is definitely not the end of his terrible parenting in this episode. But I don't think that'll come as a surprise to anyone. Do you think, Tempest? No, because even though we had some tender moments with Harvey in the Father's Day episode, he still is not really relating to his daughter well because he is the worst. Eric Raymond makes a pitch to Pizzazz's father to buy an oil refinery in Alaska. The proposal is that by owning the materials needed to make vinyl records, he'll be able to make records cheaper than any other record company in the world. Any investor wise enough to back him would make a fortune, potentially billions. Mr. Gabor says he'll fly to Alaska and everything checks out, he'll sign the papers. Tempest, it sounds like you wanted to interject. Uh, Did you have something to say about uh, about Eric's plan? Well, it, only that of the Eric Raymond plans we have seen thus far in the show, this one actually does sound like a sound business decision. You know, yes, if you can own the the land that makes the that has the oil to make the vinyl, you can make stuff cheaper. Then you can sell your records for the same price, but make more profit. Like that's actually a pretty solid plan, and it also has something to do with what Eric is supposed to be doing. It's not like that time that he was trying to buy like. A, a ski resort for the nickel rights and the mineral rights on the land or whatever. We were just like, why were you even involved in this nonsense? So it's interesting that it, at least with this one, 
Eric is bringing Harvey something that is actually a good business as opposed to just something that is to make Pizzazz happy, like the time when they bought the movie theater just so they could mess up Jem's movie. Right. Well, Harvey asks Pizzazz to go to Alaska to make sure Eric does everything right and to make him proud, which... Uh, that really bothered me that he said that, but... Right? He's the worst, because... Okay. Really? She hasn't done anything to make you proud ever? Ever? She is a successful rock singer, and I know that, like, ooh, you really love your business, but she makes money, and money is what you care about, so... I'm wondering if... I mean... We've never really had any indication that he's acknowledged... Her success. Do you have any assumptions about whether or not he actually does realize? Like, do you think he's actually aware of it? And if he is, maybe it's just that he doesn't care that much, or maybe he dismisses the lifestyle of a musician, no matter how successful. Maybe he only thinks business. You know, his way of doing business is like the career path that anybody should take. It, he seems like the kind of guy who probably doesn't actually pay attention, really good attention to what Pizzazz is doing because, you know, since she's a rock star and we've seen so many people disdain the rock star on the show, like random people who are like, that sounds like noise, that it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. I mean, you know, Harvey's like some rich dude involved in the kind of you know, business that robber barons everywhere have been involved in since forever and they feel like it's the only legitimate way, right? And I have no trouble thinking that, you know, he dismisses his daughter's entire career, no matter how successful it is, it's just some frivolity. I remember somebody telling me about a scene in the September issue. It was um, a sort of documentary about Vogue and about Anna Wintour. And I haven't watched it, but somebody said to me that there's a point where Anna Wintour talks about her family and how, you know, she comes from a family full of people who are very successful in different sorts of business. And they consider her to be kind of not necessarily the black sheep of the family, but the one who's like involved in frivolity. Now, meanwhile, she is one of the most influential women in fashion and in publishing, but her family's like, oh yeah, you and your little publishing thing. Oh, you and your little fashion, you know, they devalue her success because it is not in a realm that they understand. And I'm like, wow, that is deep that you can be a woman of Anna Wintour's stature in the world. And still your family is like, mm, whatever. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it's pretty fair to say that at least based on what they've showed the audience here, as far as what we know of Harvey's character where basically most of the time Pizzazz walks in to talk to him. He's in his office. He's in his element and he's busy usually with his head buried in a stack of papers and he doesn't even bother to make eye contact which makes me lean towards more. He just really isn't aware of what's going on. At Starlight Mansion, Bodney is upset after receiving a letter from her pen pal, Utu, in Alaska. Utu mentions someone wants to buy an island to build an oil refinery. But Utu is concerned the seals that occupy the area will die. 
Jerkup mentions to Bonnie that the holograms are performing in Alaska and that she should join them on the trip to pay Utu a visit. That is so random. Alaska, really? So random. How many rock like, bands play in Alaska? Right? I I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure some do, but like that's so out of the way and it's weird that they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to go there. We'll just go hang out with your Alaskan friend." Like, what? Right. The misfits arrive in Alaska and make their way to Atuk via dog sled. Eric assures Pizzazz he only needs one more signature to seal the deal and acquire the land needed to build a refinery. I just love in that scene, by the way, how when they're riding the dog sled, Pizzazz says to Eric, this is a ridiculous way to travel. Well, lady, how else do you think you're going to get across all that frozen tundra? Right, exactly. Well, speaking of alternative ways to get over that tundra apparently you can fly a plane into that area because pizzazz does make a comment about it and flying overhead we see a small charter plane with the holograms bonnie and utu they decide to take the scenic route with utu as their guide and we dive straight into a gem in the holograms music video called in the land of the midnight sun what'd you think of the song I like this song. Um, it's not like one of my top favorite songs, but it is a pretty good song. And I like how the basically they're all singing it to each other in the plane. <laughs> like it's not really a music video. It's as much as it is like the actually Gem and the Holograms are singing to each other, singing to Bonnie and you too. So that's cool. But of course, as always, whenever the C team shows up to animate this, and that is definitely who animated this one, um, it the visuals aren't all that great. But at least with this one, this video is not sort of like a fantasy ride. It's more like just, oh, look, this is what's outside their window as they fly around. This is them, you know, singing to each other. So I like that. Yeah, me too. I mean, unspectacular, but... Uh... There, there wasn't really a lot to pick apart, I guess, in that video. And yeah, this this song's okay. After arriving in Atuk, Utu introduces Bonnie and the holograms to her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Kenyak, and her brother, George. Eric Raymond arrives and introduces himself to George and reminds him that they discuss selling the plot of land they own over the phone. George tells Eric that he's confident he's convinced his father to sell the land. Utu is concerned and asks what will happen to the seals. George only seems to be concerned with a big payout. For now, the business deal will have to be discussed the following day, much to Eric's chagrin, who claims the deal must be completed today. Too bad for you, Eric. It's sad for Eric. You know, he tries. He really tries. This is actually, you know, a pretty good business scheme, but he's thwarted by Utu's worrying about the seals. But what I find also interesting is that he came thinking that, you know, all somebody was going to do was sign. But the dad doesn't really seem to be super on board with this whole thing. Like he's he's sort of on board. He he seems like to not like Eric instantly. So there's that. Well, that's but not I, that's not hard. Well, that's true. So, yeah, I just I'm like, well, what did 
George tell his dad about what was going on with this whole deal? And, yeah. Yeah. Poor uh, Eric. It seemed like George was a little more confident than required because like you said, I mean, it didn't seem like his father was that convinced. So I think, I don't know, I think George is kind of fooling himself, but we'll have to see how this plays out. Later in the evening after dinner, Utu is upset about the impending doom of the seals. Shayna offers to finish cleaning the dishes and the rest of the holograms convince Jem to join Bonnie and Utu to pay a visit to Naku, the local pet seal. They head out via kayak. And it should be noted that, of course, Bonnie, being the child that she is, wants to get in the the kayak where she just does it by herself. And like, "Mm, that's not going to work out for you, kid. Jem's not going to let you. Jem's not going to let you roll in that kayak all by yourself. But of course, Bonnie wants to because, oh, my God, (laughs) this is the girl who also like leaps into bear enclosures. And it's like, I'll prove to you that you're my father by putting myself in horrendous danger. Ah! The misfits have growing concerns over the sale of the island. Eric reassures them that George wants to sell the island. It's only the little girl that objects. Suddenly, we hear Harvey Gabor's voice calling on the radio transceiver. Eric picks it up and acknowledges, but Pizzazz gets upset as Harvey was calling for Phyllis. Harvey asks if the paperwork has been completed. Eric gives the disappointing news and Harvey decides not to land. Pizzazz grabs the radio and tells her father that the deal will be signed in the morning. And Harvey gives them 24 hours to complete the deal. And I just wanted to mention here, there's a line of dialogue uh, that really made me sad and sympathetic to Pizzazz's perspective here because Harvey tells her, Phyllis, don't disappoint me again. Right? Like, come on, Harvey. Come on. It's just... I feel really sad for Pizzazz whenever stuff about her father comes up. And, and, you know, I'm not like on this Pizzazz sympathy train normally, not like Alex. But in times like this, I'm just like, what the heck are you even doing, sir? Like, that is just rude and terrible and annoying. And don't disappoint me again. Why don't you just fly that plane into a rock? Cut to a quick scene here where Shayna, Aja, Kimber, and Ray are helping out with chopping wood. George makes a joke about it being too hard for them since Utu chops the wood herself every day. Or so he says. Yeah, Utu doesn't chop all that wood every day. I doubt it. He clearly is supposed to be chopping that wood and he's just taking advantage of the fact that they don't know. He's mean. Yeah, I don't really like him so far, but, oh, God, I hope he learns his lesson. That's all I'm going to say. the worst, the worst. Elsewhere, Jem, Bonnie, and Utu are seal watching and look for Naku. Meanwhile, George tells the holograms about how he's looking forward to being rich and not working again. Rhea makes a crack how it looks like he doesn't do much work anyway. Sort of going back to what what you were saying earlier, Tempest, about uh, George just kind of being a jerk and not necessarily telling the truth about all the wood that Utu chops every day. But uh, the holograms think that George is the worst. (laughs) And they're not wrong. I mean, and also this whole thing where all he cares about is money. He is just, 
you know, he's greedy. He's only thinking about himself. He's not thinking about the land or or even his community. That's just really gross. Yeah. It's so gross. I agree. But you know what? There's still some time left in this episode, so maybe he'll redeem himself. Kimber asks what's going to happen to the seals. George doesn't seem to have any remorse for the inevitable fate of the seals. He tries to assuage the concern by saying Utu will receive a portion of the sale, and he says that he'll make certain she goes to college. Now, I thought that was that was a nice thing to say, but again, like Tempest, you were saying, he he's not really concerned with what's happening to the seals, the environment, and he certainly doesn't seem to be concerned about the uh, about the land or the community at large. So, although it's nice that he's thinking about his sister, he's not really thinking about anyone else, which is really bad. Yeah, and I think that he only said that thing about sending her to college because that's a thing that you say to make it sound like there's some reason that you need money other than just that you are greedy and want money. I mean, it it could be true that, you know, with the resources that his parents have, that they may not be able to send Utu to college. Maybe they didn't, they weren't able to send him to college. He seems really eager to get out. And I can even sort of understand that because sometimes when you grow up in a very small town, a very tiny community that's sort of way away from everything, some people are just like, no, man, I got to get out. I got to get to a big city. Those are the things I want. But yeah, he just, he, he doesn't express it in those ways that make me sympathetic to him. He just expresses it in ways that make me think he's a jerk. Jem asks Utu to bring her brother out to see the seals. Perhaps he'll change his mind. Utu already tried this to no avail. Bonnie gets into a kayak and proclaims that she's able to pilot it without any help. Yeah, hope that works out for you. Oh my god, Bonnie, you are always trying to do these things. Always. And she's always wrong and she's she doesn't listen. No, she does I'm, not she does not listen. And it doesn't go well for her. Jem warns her to come back to shore, but of course, otherwise we wouldn't have a plot. Before she can, the current carries Bonnie away. And and it should be said that Utu did warn her about this current before they even went out in the kayaks. Utu is like, so the current here is really strong. This is why we have to go around to the island this way. If you go out in the current, if the tide is coming in, you go towards these horrible rocks. And if the tide is going out, you go towards this, these horrible icebergs. So basically, it's all horrible. So stay away from the current. But of course, Bunny gets in a kayak and immediately is caught in the current because it's this show. It's so dumb. I, I honestly, like, I did, I did some stupid things when I was a kid, but being that clueless... And reckless. I, I I don't know. Do Do you think anyone would do that in real life? I mean, kids are really um, reckless sometimes. Sure. So maybe. But but in Alaska, in a in a cold foreign environment like that, don't you think that fear would take okay, over rather than she jumped into a bear enclosure not that long ago? Yeah. Well, of course, Bonnie screams for help as she's <laughs> sucked into a whirlpool. Oh, things just gonna keep getting worse and worse for her. Utu and Jem kayak to rescue Bonnie and manage to pull her out, but not before Jem stumbles, hits her head, and blacks out. Utu and Bonnie panic, but the seals come to the rescue and help bring Jem to shore. Those seals are handy. But 
The seals are handy, but everybody's already dead because they fell into that ice cold water and they are dead. <laughs> well, it's, you, it's you can survive in, in sub-zero temperatures, I think, for like two minutes or something like that before you start going into shock. They are in that water for longer than that. Okay, then. They really are. So, yeah. And plus, when they get out of the water, they don't build a fire right away. They just, they don't. So, I don't know. I don't. Their survival chances should not be as high as they are, but it's a show. The Misfits discuss spending some of Eric's money if they have to stay in Alaska another day. And the Misfits, as we all know, are prone to mischief, which leads us to our next music video from the Misfits called Making Mischief, which, of course, we've heard in previous episodes. Now, I can't remember, do you like this song? And how do you feel about how the song and the video for this fits into the theme of this episode? I like this song. I liked it originally, you know, when we first heard it way back in the, you know, beginning of the first season. And it's, you know, the Misfits theme song. They're making mischief. They're always going to make mischief. This is just what they do. So I kind of feel like the repetition of it here, it just... It feels even lazier than some of the choices that they've made for repeat songs in the other parts of this season. And I was actually saying recently that I didn't remember that season two was every episode seems to have at least one repeat song. And I didn't remember that about season two. I'm like, oh, these all these songs keep coming back. So I, I don't know necessarily if anything else would have fit there, but it also does seem like they plopped the the misfits doing horrendous things to people in the middle of this episode because they're like, well, we got to have the misfits doing something and well, we got to have a song and well, let's just put this here and let's go. Yeah, that's... And I also think... That is a, a regret that I have about this this season. And like you too, I had going back into it, I'm like, really? I, I don't remember all these songs repeating and I really wish they had not done that, but you know, not much we can do about it. It's true. And it could be a budgetary thing because having Kinder and Bryant do um, three songs every week, maybe they were like, we can't keep up that pace. So they're like, okay, you only have to do two or something like that. Or maybe it was like, oh, we can only afford to pay them for two in the second year. I don't know. But And there have been I, episodes I also, where we only get two songs as well. So yeah, yeah, that seems like it kind of and supports then, that theory that you have about it being a budgetary thing. Yeah, it might be. And the other thing about it is just, I am just tired of the misfits doing random, terrible things. Like, directionless, reckless um, destruction, wanton destruction, and, and putting people in danger. Boring. I'm bored with that now. Like, sometimes the misfits get into shenanigans and they have a reason for it. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for your reasons, even though they're terrible. But there's a reason for it. This is just like, we're bored and we're mean. And so this is what we're going to do about it. As Bonnie and Utu arrive with Jem on shore, the misfits see what's happened as Pizzazz is overlooking a cliff with binoculars. Stormer suggests they call for help, but Pizzazz decides it would be better if they saved them, since it would look favorable to Utu's parents if they knew the misfits saved them. I'm, I'm quite shocked that Pizzazz is... So so selfish and has this agenda. Yes. 
shocking. No one could have ever predicted right. <laughs> that this would be the case. Well, and once again, Stormer's really the only one here that seems like she has a human side. <laughs> right. But also just the the whole idea of Pizzazz will only save you from certain death if she can get something out of it. Otherwise, she just don't care. George apologizes to the holograms for their previous comment, and they accept. Rhea asks where Jem, Utu, and Bonnie are as it's getting late. On the beach, Jem is still unconscious. Bonnie blames herself and Utu tries to console her that somebody will arrive soon. Utu starts a fire, finally. Pizzazz and Jitta get into a boat and go after Jem. George tells his father he will get Sanders and will take a plane to begin a search for Jem, Bonnie, and Utu. Concerns grow over the impending fog, which will make the search impossible. While attempting to save Jem, the strong current pulls Pizzazz and Jetta out to sea. Starting to see a familiar. Yeah, they did theme not. <laughs> they did not get the the whole like. You, this is how you avoid the current talk from Utu. Right. And unfortunately, they're put in harm's way. Well, I guess fortunately for them. I guess, if you really don't like the misfits and want them to die. But they are put in harm's way of two giant icebergs, which get dangerously close to crushing them. And just as an aside, when this cut to commercial, of course, we don't have commercials on the DVD, but when it did clearly cut to a commercial, I thought they did an admirable job with building the tension of the icebergs basically colliding and you're thinking, well, it looked like they were sandwiched between those two things. I mean, obviously, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're still going to be alive because they, they have to be in the next episode, but a part of you still feels like, Oh no, they're dead. Yeah. They, the right before commercial cut, when they're just like, boom, you're like, Oh man, that's harsh. But it's, it's also funny because I'm like, do icebergs do that? I really feel like they don't. As far as (laughs) colliding at that speed. Right. I don't think they move that fast. I don't think that they're just doing that. And so I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I thought about Titanic a lot when we were watching this episode, actually, because like when um, Jim and Utu are in the kayak trying to save Bunny, they get her, but then the kayak sort of like scrapes against an iceberg and then the kayak starts to sink. And I was like, that's exactly how the Titanic went down. It, you know, it didn't hit the iceberg head on. It like, scraped the iceberg scraped along the side of the titanic and that's why it sank because it was like you know it opened up a whole bunch of different holes along the side and and here i'm just like man icebergs are just they're out to get you (laughs) they just they don't they they don't like rock stars i guess i don't know if they're that is the end of the icebergs in this episode my memory's a bit hazy now since it's been about a week since i've seen this episode But uh, let's find out what happens. So obviously we're back from commercial. We know the misfits have not perished. Uh, They managed to just very narrowly miss the the icebergs uh, due to both of them uh, paddling like like mad to try to really get ahead of them. Uh, They also try to start the engine in the boat, which of course fails because we need more tension here. Back at the beach, Jem finally awakens and reassures Bonnie and Utu that somebody will eventually show up after noticing the smoke from their fire. A ship discovers an empty kayak and calls in to alert Utu's father of the bad news. In the charter plane, Shayna notices two people in a boat, just barely visible through the thick fog. 
Sanders flies lower to take a closer look. It's Pizzazz and Jeddah. Unfortunately for them, an iceberg once again comes dangerously close. Oh my god, this iceberg. These icebergs chase these women. This, is, like, this could be a horror movie. At the at the plane that has landed on the water right. and like the icebergs are coming for them and you're just I was just like, do icebergs really do this? I just don't think icebergs move this fast. And also they really have it out for these two ladies. It's amazing. They really could make a whole new horror genre of like killer icebergs from Alaska. They're out to get you. They are. And they mean it this time. Well, again, with the paddling. <laughs> They paddle as fast as they can. They're pretty good at paddling. I wonder if they had any previous practice. The plane lands and picks up Pizzazz and Jetta and manages to fly away, just barely avoiding collision with the icebergs, of course, because we need them in the next episode. While searching for his sister by ship, George regrets how he treated Utu. Rhea notices Naku, Utu's pet seal, who's dangling Bonnie's hat. Rhea suggests that Naku must know where Utu, Bonnie, and Jem are. George is skeptical because he's like, we're, we're talking about a seal here. But they decide to follow Naku anyway. Okay, first of all, why is George so skeptical about seals? He knows that these seals have a very special relationship with his sister. And also, seals are regularly like in the circus doing things. I like don't you know. No, for for like, a guy like I understand. Out Mary had a little lamb. Like I understand he wants the money to get out of there, but for a guy that grew up in that environment, that would have some understanding of what those animals are capable of. This is awfully ignorant. He just, he's not, he's not here for it. You know, he was barely here for like putting the net together with his father because when they, you know, discovered that the ladies were missing, you know, he was complaining about making a fishing net or repairing a fishing net with his dad. So he just, he's just not into it all. I do want to point out though, that there's um, an animation mistake that happens. Um, So after when, when Bonnie and Utu get you know, hook onto the seal so that they can get to shore. They make a point of showing how Bonnie's hat is in the water. Um, and that's the hat that then the seals like are tossing between each other when, you know, they see from the boat and they're like, look, that's Bonnie's hat. But in the scene where they first come on shore and they like lay Jem out on the beach and they're like scared because she won't wake up, Bonnie has her hat on. Yeah, that's... The C team strikes again. That's strange. And, you know, thank you for reminding me about this because when I first watched this episode, I I believe I incorrectly thought that the hat was Utu's instead of Bonnie. That was confusing. Yeah, yeah, because Bonnie's hat is like, you know, a ridiculous, like, lower 48 people hat. George, his father, Rhea, and Aja find the stranded Utu, Bonnie, and Jim. Everyone is relieved, and George thanks Naku for being responsible for leading them. Eric Raymond attempts to close the deal with George and his father. When they ask if there's any way to save the cove for the seals and still build the refinery, Eric refuses as the cove will be turned into a harbor for ships. I wrote this little passage of dialogue down between George and Eric. Uh, and actually, of course, George's father as well. And he says, see, son, I knew that would be the answer. George says, Mr. Raymond, yes, we're not going to sell the island. Shocker. I know. Gasp. Everyone thought Eric was going to win, right? Finally, he's going to get one win. No. You know, 
I bet, I bet you that this was a Raymond crime family scheme from the beginning and that they knew that, you know, ultimately the dad wouldn't sell. And they were like, so we're not going to invest in this, Eric. Is that why the plan is so sound? that's why Eric had to go. That's, that's why they had to go to Harvey Gabor because Eric's dad was like, this is not, this is not going to work out. We can't intimidate these people. They live too far north. <laughs> the Misfits and Eric are taken aback by the refusal to sign the deal. Harvey calls Pizzazz and asks if she's closed the deal. And of course, she gives her father the disappointing news. And I wrote the dialogue down here again because there's a couple of things in this episode that I, I thought were important to mention. Specifically in the way Harvey treats Pizzazz. Or Phyllis, if you prefer. He says, Phyllis, I thought you were finally going to make me proud of you. Well, there's no reason to land. I'll see you in a few days. And then Pizzazz says, Daddy, don't leave me. So there's just so much pathos in that line right there. The Daddy, don't leave me line. hurts me. But also, okay, so here's the thing. What is disappointing about this? You didn't give them any money. You said you would if they signed the deal. But they didn't sign the deal. So you're not out any money. So what the heck are you even complaining about, sir? You disappointed me. Yeah, he's just such... He's so terrible. Like he's, he, uh, I can't, I can't even form words coherently because he's so terrible. He's not going to win any father of the year awards. That's for sure. Well, we wrap with Utu's father asking if Jim would be willing to sing a song before she and the rest of the band leave Alaska. And we get the final song in this episode called Safe and Sound by The Holograms, of course. This is a new song. What did you think of it? This is an all right song, I guess. It's not musically like super complex, but it's also, it, it's not a bad song that I'm like, oh God, I never want to listen to that. And I also find interesting about the video is that it's again not um, a fantasy video. It literally recaps things that have gone on in this episode. You know, it shows scenes of when, you know, they rescued the Misfits and when they rescued, and when the Seals rescued Jem and Bonnie and Utu and when they were rescued and all this other stuff. And so it, in that way, it's interesting. It's an interesting departure from what we usually get um, with these music videos. As a matter of fact, all of them have been you know realistic what is actually happening right now or what just happened videos in this episode so yeah that's that's kind of interesting and safe and sound when i listen to it just you know as a piece of music it's all right yeah i mean including the repeat song i i just think this this episode kind of leaves me wanting in the in the musical department but that's okay that's okay i'm sure future episodes will make up for that Look, we are almost to season three, okay? Yeah, and then... I really want to get through this season because there have been some real rough spots. So, yeah, and it's interesting because, well, I guess we could talk about this after you're done recapping the, the sure. thing, but we could have some discussion about season two. Okay. Before Jem and the Holograms leave, they decide to leave Bonnie behind for a week to stay with the Kenyaks. The Misfits... No, don't do it! <laughs> no, don't do it. Indeed. 
I don't understand why, but okay. Look, she's just going to leap into the ocean again, the freezing, freezing ocean. Perhaps she'll throw herself at a pack of dogs. I mean, like, who knows what's going to happen to Bonnie if you leave her somewhere. After all that's happened, the misfits take off on dog sled and leave Eric behind. And I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, they obviously did this for comedic effect, but he's chasing them. He's like running trying to catch up with them and just like begging saying you know I'll pay for your haircut like like that's going to make up for it Eric please I'll pay for your next hair appointment that just shows you how broke what he really Eric needs is. to do yeah what he really needs to do is he needs to try to buy Pizzazz's father's love for her like that's that's what he should promise her. he's like I'll make your daddy love you now that would be good use of money but well, okay, so season two has been, it, as you said before, it's been kind of uneven. And, but we have, it really has come in chunks, right? It's like we've had like chunks of really great episodes, like episodes I remember from, a, from being a kid being like, I love this episode. I love these sets of episodes. And then we have like this chunk. We've moved into this chunk of episodes that are just like terrible. Not all of them are super terrible, but I mean, we had like the presidential dilemma <laughs> and things along those lines you're just like uh why why and i think that with this episode okay not with this episode because there's some stuff coming up that is whatever but we're starting to come out of the weeds a little bit in the next few episodes and then we get the really great episode about jerica and kimber's mom which is one of my favorite episodes ever um and and so we're gonna it's gonna start to get better but it's just so interesting because it's just been so long since i've experienced these episodes in order and just seeing how the quality waxes and wanes not only the animation quality because sometimes you get the c-team animators but the actual episode is fine but the past few episodes it's been the c-team or b-team animators and like not really great scripts anyway i don't know if you'd notice that as well or if you had any thoughts on that i have i mean there are some of my favorite episodes so far have been in season two, but like you said, this season kind of, it just waxes and wanes in in your exact words. And it's, it's disappointing that, you know, we get a couple of, you know, pockets of, of really good episodes. And then we have like, we just, it kind of feels like a slog. Uh, obviously the presidential dilemma like like you mentioned was was certainly one of those and this episode too i just felt like it was just really mediocre uh certainly not the worst episode but um you know and i'm curious about next week's episode as well because i don't have much memory of this particular episode but i've heard from a few other people that they were saying well yeah the next few episodes after this one too seem kind of Rough, or at least this one does, because we're coming up on the the, the the end of season two, right? The whole thing. Mm-hmm. This is, is the, the next Robin episode, Hood the time one, right? travel episode. Uh, I don't know if is there time travel. It's called uh, Renaissance Woman. Oh, okay. So no, that's not the time they, travel. They episode. attend a that Renaissance fair, up. and then there's a. It says here yeah. the false, the fal- false lord to be who owns the castle, and a Robin Hood lookalike uh, outlaw trying to oust him from from both falling in love with dance what what look it's actually less ridiculous 
than it sounds from the description. I hope so. so. It's, I mean, it's not that bad. It's not, again, it's not the best, but actually it's it's better than this past one we just did. But yeah, we have some episodes coming up that are just like, hmm, because, okay, we have one where there's a lot of time travel involved and it's one of those times where you're like, you're reminded that this TV show is a science fiction TV show. Like, it's not just you know, one science fiction conceit, which is synergy. Right. Like this is a whole science fiction TV show. Oh God. And the one after that's journey to Shangri-La. Oh, that one's terrible. And see, okay. But here's the thing though. And this is again, like we have, you know, the time travel episode and then immediately following that is an episode that is purely fantasy. Like, Stuff happens in that episode that is like literally right in the realm of fantasy. Yeah, nothing is rooted and, in reality in that. Right. And so it's it's very interesting because, you know, this show doesn't often play with genre conventions like that. You know, other than the fact that, you know, synergy exists, usually everything is pretty reality based. Right. But then we get these episodes where it's like, nope, genre television. And and I find that so interesting. So even though Journey to Shangri-La is not the best episode, it is interesting from that standpoint. So good. Well, be, I'm looking we, forward to a we will talk much about discussion. When, yes, certainly about that. Yeah. When, we, <laughs> when we get to that one, uh, at the very least, that will be certainly something to, uh, to discuss. Well, you've been listening to the Gemcast on Hologram Radio. I'm Alex Knight, and I am joined by K Tempest Bradford. You can check out all of Tempest's writing, links to her social media, her YouTube channel, of course, all on ktempestbradford.com. And uh, you can find the Tempest Challenge there. You can find her on Twitter. She's at Tiny Tempest. And also, she has a new podcast that launched a couple of months back on this network called The Right Gear. So if you are into technology and finding out like what types of laptops are good for writers, especially if you're a writer, uh, and uh, you host interesting interviews as well with, uh, with people that, um, well, not necessarily restricted, I think, to, to book writers, but... Uh, but people that have written TV shows, I think, too, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all kinds of writers in to talk about their stuff. So you can check out that show if you're interested by going to hologramradio.org forward slash the right gear. And that's right, W-R-I-T-E, as in writing with a pen. If you'd like to support this show and the network at large, please go to patreon.com forward slash hologram radio and become a regular donator i can't stress enough how important that is as that helps us continue do what we do best here at hologram radio and at the Gemcast. helps us cover our operational costs help us it helps us fund new podcast ideas and whatnot you can also support us by shopping at amazon to do that go to hologramradio.org forward slash sponsors click on one of those lovely amazon banner links we have links for the uk usa and canada which should cover most of our listeners just click on one of those links and there's no additional work needed on your part and every time you buy something off your wish list everyone here will get a portion of the sale You can subscribe to the show in iTunes to ensure you get every new episode each and every weekend. If you're in iTunes, please leave us a rating, drop a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, or a comment. It really helps new people find the show. And speaking of ratings, Tempest, you ready for this? We have a new rating on iTunes. All right, we received a new iTunes review from someone named Furious Black. 
that's their handle, from the United States of America on May the 2nd. They give us five stars and they said, listen, join, uh, I see what you did there. Join three hilarious writers as they very seriously discuss the pink-headed stepchild of the Hasbro slash Sunbow cartoon universe, the truly outrageous gem in the holograms. Fans of the series, our hosts pull no punches in breaking down the episodes, inventing headcanon, positing hypotheses about how the time-space continuum works and doesn't work in this oft-times preposterous part of the 1980s. Far more entertaining than one would expect. Definitely not a garbage fire. That's incredible. Love it. Love it. So if you want to hear your name mentioned, yes. Yes, indeed. So if you want to hear your name mentioned on the podcast, head up to iTunes. You can follow our show on Twitter. We're at Gem Podcast. If you'd like to check out the other shows on the network, follow at Hologram Radio on Twitter. You can follow the account on Facebook as well. We're facebook.com forward slash Gem Podcast. Hologram Radio on Facebook as well, if you care about that at all. Instagram, we're at Hologram Radio Shows. And if you'd like to send feedback to us the old-fashioned way, please do that. You can send it to gemcast at hologramradio.org. And I challenge you to send us an email because it's very rare that people like to send emails these days, but it's the perfect medium for long-form discussion. So if there's something you want to get off your chest, you got a bone to pick, It doesn't have to be something positive. We want to hear honest feedback. So please go and do that. Well, that's it for now. Until next week's potentially garbage fire episode. Show's over, Synergy.